Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all taking some time to connect back with yourself and find time to create space in your day for things like vision, things like connection, and really the wisdom that sits in that slow space in between. I think we're always trying to get to an end destination or start something new, but there's so much wisdom in that in-between, and I can't wait to dive into this week's episode with Mr. Jason Ayers, because that is something that fills a lot of the conversations that we talk about today. So Jason is a problem-solving integrator who empowers people to not only create their visions, but to expand them into their fullest potential. He is what he likes to call the mix between a visionary and an integrator in business, which is somebody who can grasp those high-level concepts, but then also work to create a almost like a systemized plan to actualizing that vision into reality. So Jason lives in both the the ethereal world above, but then also puts his boots on the ground to help make things happen. So when somebody dances in both of those spectrums, there's a lot of wisdom, there's a lot of clarity, and there's a lot of personal growth and development that one has to do in order to really maximize their own skill sets with that dance. And you know, Jason's an incredible human being who loves to move through life with a beautiful tempo and speed. He's passionate about doing the inner work. And I mean, really passionate about the inner work. It's actually how we met. We ended up meeting at a personal development retreat. And I was just so impressed with the way that he carried himself and the wisdom with which he was able to add value to the other attendees in the room, even though he wasn't a teacher, an official teacher at that room. And it was just so powerful. And I love this conversation. And I love going down the rabbit hole with this inspiring guy. You know, we talked all about where do our limiting stories come from, the importance of exploring the shadows as much as we do the joy and the light, uh, why playing small keeps you safe, but why that also doesn't necessarily lead to the most thrilling, most connected, most enjoyable experience that we can have in our life. We talk about the important difference between desire and choice, how travel can shift your perspective. I mean, we go down, we go down the rabbit hole. We talk about a lot of stuff and Jason is just, I love Jason to death. He's just such a good human being. You can feel his heart through every single thing that he shares. So if you're in this space where you're trying to figure out what to do next, if you're in this space where there's just a lot going on and you're having trouble finding stillness and slowness inside of that in-between, if you feel like you're in limbo, then this episode is going to be so valuable for you so that you can learn to dance in between the poles you know, learn to appreciate the full spectrum of this life and learn to arrive into whatever it is that you're experiencing with full presence and full clarity and the tools necessary to make the most out of this moment. So hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Stay Grounded podcast on any of the podcast apps. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're all over the place. If Jason says anything powerful for you, please reach out to him, reach out to me. You can reach out to me on social media. You can leave a review. I love reviews. Reviews help us a ton. 
So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you haven't left a review yet, go leave one. I will greatly appreciate that. But anyways, guys, I hope you guys are doing great. I know there's a lot going on in life right now, and I just appreciate all of you taking the time for yourselves to tune in with us each week for just conscious conversations about how we can create a more connected, fulfilling life amidst all the madness. So thank you for choosing yourself. Thank you for choosing us. And without further ado, here is my main man, Mr. Jason Ayers. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, man. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Uh, hope you're all having a, a brilliant and amazing and grounded and connected day so far. I could not be more thrilled or excited or happy to be introducing my brother, Mr. Jason. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? So good to see I'm you. So happy. I know it's great to see you, man. Like I just like the smiles, man. Just smiles back and yep. forth. Like it's the second we like hopped on, I just had this huge grin on my face, just because. I mean, we've gone down the rabbit hole so many times, really, just diving into different dimensions of the psyche, so that we can improve our own lives. And what a gift to be able to go back and forth here in this medium and let others be a fly on the wall for transformation, healing, and change. Don't you love just the time we live in? I do. Yeah, it's all kinds of truths are coming out, you know, and it's right. we've been given a pause, essentially, I think, and some space to, you know, we get so distracted with everyday life and with with all of the things we do, we can get distracted with work or, you know, television programs, movies, just going out and a lot of activity. And now we're in a place where I think we get to have a little space and to become more introspective and to realize how important connection is and like our relationships, both to other people and to ourselves. Like, as you said that, I just had a question come up that I want to kind of throw at you. I think it's, it's easy to create that space when you feel like, like when, when you have the space, it's easy to look at everything in your life. But what about like when life hits you? in a million directions and you don't feel like you can create the space. How do you create the space to be introspective when life is coming at you a million miles an hour? I think you have to get leverage on yourself and you, you have to put some practices in place that create that space because if you don't, you know, one of my, one of my big themes is nature hates a vacuum and it will fill the space. So you can either choose to put things into that space that are going to benefit you, that are going to help propel you forward or life and the agendas of others and everything else will just fill that container until you end up being exhausted and just run ragged, mm. not even necessarily knowing why. Like Alice in Wonderland, you're running you have, here. You have to run as fast as you can just to stay in the same place. Right. And, and I think you have to create those spaces and, and there are ways to do that, to make space for yourself. It's really interesting. Um, I was at a spiritual retreat this past weekend, and one of the biggest takeaways I had was slow is smooth and smooth is fast. You know, I've traditionally been somebody who's constantly tried moving really fast and doing a lot and doing a lot and doing a lot. But I feel like the more I slow down, or not even like, not slow down physically, like I'm still doing a lot of things, but slow down my 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 conscious awareness, slow down my breathing, slow down 
like the way that I walk into a room, just the more I slow down, the more control I feel I have over any given situation. And it kind of begs the question, like, what is time, I guess, in that construct, right? Because like, if you're constantly feeling like you're moving fast, like in a vacuum, like, is time even relevant? You know, time, time's very interesting because I, I've been doing a lot of work over the past three years. It's playing with time. Time seems to almost either expand or contract. Yeah. And it's really shifted my sense of time. And, and you know, we say that time is a, is a man-made invention or a human invention that we came up with, you know, to mark the, the experience that we're going through. I think it's relative to a whole bunch of things. Right. So it's relative to your speed. It's relative to your age. When you're a child, a day seems to last forever, right? The summertime when you had summer break or whatever seems to last seemingly forever. When you're an adult, it just goes by in a blink. Yeah. And I think it's relative to how much time we have in front of us and how much time we we have behind us. But it's, it's interesting that you, you know, you noticed slowing down can help you speed up and it's, a big theme for me has been over the over the past few years has been to to know thyself. You know, the Greeks were yeah. really big on it. And if you've ever driven down a street or driven to to some location, driven somewhere, and you've also either gone on a run or you've walked that same path, you notice so much more when you slow down. Mm. Right. And and you notice the detail and you notice where things are and you notice things that just go by in a flash because we're built to conserve energy. We can only take in so much information. The rest of it, we have to just either ignore or generalize, or, you know, we'd have to have heads, This you know, we'd look like aliens essentially <laughs> with huge, huge brains in order to process all right. that information. So I don't know. I, th- I think there's so much wisdom in knowing yourself. And when you look at some of like the philosophers from the past and and people from the past have built these great societies and these um, have just had so much wisdom. Their life was a little bit slower. They weren't watching television and they weren't on devices and they weren't running around, right? They were way more introspective and, and spending time talking. I think what I've found is that slow sets the tempo. Like there's a tempo to life, right? Like if you look at, and there's like large tempos, there's like seasons, Right. Like there's seasonality to life. But then when you break it down to like the shorter time frames, like there's a tempo and there's a rhythm. And I think when you slow down, you let the dust settle enough to where you can feel the rhythm. And rhythm is an internal clock, right? Like your rhythm is going to be very different than my rhythm. My rhythm is going to be very different than the next person's rhythm. But when we can slow down enough to feel our rhythm, and really pay attention to it, I think that's when crisis and chaos and everything happening outside of you becomes almost a moot point. Like it doesn't matter what the crisis is. Right now it's a pandemic. Next day it could be craziness happening in your business. The next day it could be a relationship breaking up. But I think when when, when we can take the time to really be present to the rhythm that we're moving at and find that rhythm... I think that's what allows us to feel a sense of control inside of all of these periods of life that are generally like the roller coaster of life, because even the roller coaster is a rhythm, right? It's a sinusoidal, like sort of like it's, it's a wave, right? Yep. I think I'm, I'm becoming more, I'm I'm not going to say I'm not perfect at this, but I'm very present to it right now. And 
it's creating a very distinct shift. And even the way I set up my calendar, like now, man, like I don't take, I used to take meetings as early as I could. Now it's like, there's nothing before 10 a.m. 10 a.m. It doesn't matter how important it is. Like you do not get in on my calendar before 10 a.m. Because unless it's like I have to, and we have to make it happen. And the team is not going to function unless it goes that way. But for me, 10 a.m. is, is, is the starting point And that's become my rhythm. Well, and each of us has this unique, you know, we have biorhythms, for example, you know, when we feel more alert, when we feel drowsy, I mean, you watch the ocean, like, Ooh. I don't know, the ocean makes me feel Good very example. like connected and, and grounded because it's so much bigger than I am. And yet there's this realization of I'm part of this overall system, right? And even our bodies, right? 98% water. I think that's mm. the right amount, but it's, you know, and, and if we're 98% water and we're, you know, and the ocean's affected by gravitational fields and, and lunar cycles and all of these things, then aren't we? Mm. And I also think they're, they're different, just like they're, they're, there's kind of, uh, let's say a 24 hour rhythm that we're in. I think we also go through seasons, right? So there's, there's the summer and the fall and the winter and the spring and, and it's like, I, I really enjoy going to cities where things are happening, things are moving, things are being built, like creation is happening. And you can feel that sense of energy, like New York City, Moscow, Russia, like it's, there's this ambitious driving for sure pace, and it's, it's almost relentless. And yet, after a little bit of time in that environment, I'm like, okay, now I need to go to a place to be still and a place mm. to be calm to kind of recollect and come back together and to reintegrate yes. before, before I go back in. Right. Like if you think about even in relationships, like very often we go out into the world and we're, we're essentially kind of going to battle right in the world. And we're, we're trying to forge something out of, out of nothing or out of a bunch of disparate components. Right. But then if we're in a healthy relationship, we can come back to that relationship. And that's like our shelter. It's like a place where we can put our shield down and put our sword down and just be and just relax and regain our composure, regain our strength, and then go back out into the fray. Right. And yeah, it's, it's life is like a. Dude, there's a contrast. Yeah. There's that duality of being and that and creating, right? Like doing, mm -hmm. creating, going, whatever that is, whatever word you want to use over here. But then there's like that other side, which is being. And I think every being has a different way of fueling themselves. I've kind of been like in this weird kind of nomadic phase for a little while, like kind of living in different places and really kind of really paying attention to what types of nature make me feel a certain way, like really being present to what kind of people energize me, like really kind of figuring out the rhythm of, of, of my own being, like what is the frequency that I need to tune myself to in order to recharge the fastest. And I'm finding that the, the deeper that the more I sort of focus on rooting down, like, like really developing those roots wherever I am. So like, it's been interesting, like, you know, I've lived in Austin for, you know, the last two years mm -hmm. and Austin's always going to be a home. Right. But when I go to San Diego, when I don't have my home to root down in, I'm harnessing energy from different things. Like it could be the ocean. I'm a big fan of the ocean and I actually love the ocean. One of the most grounding things about the ocean for me is actually the fact that it, the waves never stop. Mm. And it doesn't matter if I'm sleeping or if I'm awake, 
it's like a good reminder that I'm insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Right. That's what (laughs) I can remove. I can remove the stress. I can remove the stress of like, oh, I'm so important. No, I'm actually not important at all. Like, so I can actually just relax into my being and like take all of this weight that I've been carrying on my shoulders and just give it to mother nature and let her deal with it for a little while. And like, that's an element of just kind of like, oh, okay. Now like I can relax and put my shield down. Like you said, it's a great point. When we're focused on ourselves, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and and we yeah. feel like our decisions are monumental. And some of us are, are still in this phase of right versus wrong and which creates right. a lot of judgment and self-judgment or trying to find the best path, right? Which is really just a way to protect ourselves from, from the, the fears that we have around failure. Mm. But when you, when you get into something bigger than yourself or when you get into gratitude or when you focus on helping other people, I think it puts our lives, our decisions, all those things into perspective. And and you get to something the size of the ocean and it just really starts to shrink down the, in some ways, the significance of it relative Mm -hmm. to the larger scheme, because I I think we're all significant. I think we're all here for a reason. I think we all have a purpose. And part of the challenge of life is just stripping away all of the stories and the lies and everything else to, to get down to that truth, that kind of bedrock fundamental truth that lies beneath. But Sometimes it's hard to do that without getting this bigger perspective because it's life's a paradox, right? It's like, yeah. we're incredibly significant and we're insignificant. Mm. Our lives are meaningful and they're meaningless because we create the meaning. The duality. The duality. The man. Duali- Guns, duality yeah. is, is, is so powerful. And, you know, I, I have a, a really interesting question for you, just as you're saying that it has come up for me, like, what were the stories that you had to relinquish in order for you to feel into the truth and the meaning of who you are? I had a lot of stories. Uh, we create our stories in childhood, usually between the ages of four and seven. And I think a huge revelation to me was just coming to the realization that the things that I thought were so were stories. Mm. Right? Mark Twain has that quote. It's not the things you know for sure that will get you into trouble. It's the things that you know for sure that just aren't so. <laughs> Right. And it's, Love that. and it's, and I see that over and over again. It's, it's, um, I have a saying that, you know, failing strategies reveal faulty stories. So some of the stories I have, I think we all have uniting stories and those stories are around self-worth being good enough, having what it takes. And those stories, they're kind of the antithesis to the truth, I think. So I, I grew up, I was a skinny kid. I didn't fit in. I got haircuts at home. I had homemade clothes. I wore big, funky glasses. And I was extremely shy. At least that's what I was told. I told myself after some, you know, kind of terrible experiences with other kids, uh, I got picked on by a lot of bullies. They started the fights. I tended not to say no. (laughs) (laughs) So it usually was a one-time event. But I told myself stories like... um, I remember walking back from a basketball game in fifth grade, I think it was, or maybe it was fifth grade. And that's a little later than most of our stories are, but this one just confirmed it and kind of drove it home was a bunch of kids invited me, the popular kids invited me to the basketball game. I show up and then they're all making fun of me in front of the girls. And I walked out of there and I'm like walking home, tears streaming down my face. And I'm like, why, 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 why? 
And our mind works like a search engine. You ask it a question, it will provide an answer. And when you're young, it provides the best answer it can come up with, given the information it has. And my story was, I'm all alone in this world. If I'm going to succeed, if I'm going to survive, I have to do it myself. Like, it's, it's just me. I'm all alone. And I think that's another story that, that especially entrepreneurs feel, is, is that you're alone. And it's a lie. And, and the story that you're not, that you don't have what it takes is also a lie because you wouldn't have the visions you have if you weren't capable of creating them. So out of that story, I created strategies and those strategies served me for a long time because very often you're, you're creating a story that fits that environment that you're in at that time. You create a strategy that fits that environment. So it works until it doesn't until the environment's, changes so much that it no longer aligns with your story. And then it's like driving a car with one foot firmly pressed on the gas pedal and one foot firmly pressed on the brakes. And it's not working and you're not getting where you want to go. And you start to ask other questions like, why isn't this working? And your mind may say, well, because you're broken. Or because you're alone. Because you're alone. Because there's something wrong with you. Because, you know, you're you're an idiot, whatever it is, right? And it's the tape recorder. It's the tape recorder running in the background. And it's, you know, I think we kind of have two voices inside. One is that voice of intuition. It's the voice of the truth. It's, it's the universal consciousness, the knowing. And then there's the, the anti-voice, the voice that is trying to destroy us, trying to keep us small, trying to prevent us from living into our vision even. I'll say just on that, I wouldn't say it's as destructive. I think it's trying to keep us safe. It, it is, yeah. At the end of the day, right? Like, I think it's important to have that construct. Otherwise, it's going to create a me versus me mindset. It's more like it's just it's not trying to hurt you. The tape recorder was created at a time in your life that was just trying to like you did. It created that belief. It created that belief at a time when you didn't know any better, right? Like you were in the fifth grade. You just gotten bullied. Like you made up that rule and it made sense at the time. Right. And and it turned into a, a, a broken tape recorder where every time something even close to that level of pain came in, like it's like default, like, oh, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. And then the lens is constantly looking for it. And if the lens is looking for it, it's tough to think that you can even get yourself out of it. But it was created from a pure place of simply wanting to protect. Right. Survival. And Survival. And I think that voice of truth, that consciousness that you're talking about, like, I don't think our our souls, our spirits, the indomitable human spirit wants us to just survive. Like, I think we're, I think there's the duality. I love that we're dancing with duality, man. This is like my favorite concept right now in my life. But like, I love the duality of surviving versus thriving when you kind of hit that fork in the road or that place where you're hitting the gas as fast as you can, but you're also hitting the brakes as fast as you can, like there's a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And normally in that breaking point, the soul wins because <laughs> the spirit's so much stronger than any story. I think the universe is, I don't know, magnificently designed. And I think you're right. And I think, I think a little bit of that kind of the, the, the thing that's trying to keep us smaller or whatever. I think that's a more accurate description that it's trying to keep us safe. And I think one of the, I think very often it's trying to keep us safe from something that no longer even exists. 
right? Like, like the environment has changed, the threat is gone, the perceived threat may be gone, the evolutionary threat is gone, right? Like, like we're thousands of years beyond what it was that was keeping us, you know, in that way. In fact, there's a movie, uh, The Crudes. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it's an interesting um, movie depicting how we tell ourselves stories to keep mm-hmm. ourselves safe. And what happens when those stories no longer fit the environment? I won't, I won't spoil it, but it's, it kind of beautifully portrays all of this. But I think, I think life is magnificently designed because it brings us to a point sometimes, you know, if you do have your foot on the gas pedal, foot on the brake, your strategy no longer works. You get to a point where life causes you to, to take a step back and take some perspective. And I, I think there are signs along the way and we get to choose at which point we want to pay attention to those signs and the degree of consequences to which we want to, to accept. I'm, I'm historically, I drive right past the little signs. I drive right past the, the, you know, the bigger signs. I wait until I, I wait until there's a, a billboard and then even that doesn't work. And then the, the billboard comes out of the ground and starts smashing me Smack into the it. ground. I was going to say, somebody's hitting me in the face with the sign until and I'm, I'm like, like, oh. And at that point I'm like, oh, look. A sign. (laughs) Where have you been this whole time? Right, right. I'm like, you know, why didn't you show up before? And I have this realization that, you know, after I learned the lesson of like, oh, the signs were there the whole time. But I was trying to exert my my rational will or my, you know, I, I was overriding my intuition and the voice with my mind. And I was ignoring what my body was telling me. I was ignoring how I felt. And I was rationalizing all these things and just because I wanted to exert my will, right? And Well, man, and- I, I think that people like really, I think we've normalized the feelings of anxiety, right? That when you have that story playing in the background, you normalize the feelings that are associated with that story. Like it's normal for me to not feel good. Right. It's normal for this to be hard. It's normal for love to feel like it's not enough. Like you create all these constructs around it, but in truth, when you unlayer all the stories, life is pretty peaceful, like by its natural state. Like, you know, I love using this example, you know, like if you think about a baby that was just born, no name, no rules, no constructs, it's pure joy, or mm-hmm. it's just crying, or it, it doesn't have any stories around the flow of life that it's experiencing. You look at the amount of like, I, and when people look at a baby, like, I think that's why people connect with kids and babies so much because they're so pure and innocent. They haven't been tainted by the ego yet, by the, by all that, by all that baggage yet. Right. When I, I think it's that part inside of you that knows the truth that's connected yeah. to that. Right. It's because it's, it's just hidden. It's not, it's not erased. It's not gone. It's just, it's still hiding there. It's, it's, I don't know. A lot of times, like, getting rid of these lies and these stories we tell ourselves, it's like peeling an onion. Yeah. Only to get to the end and realize I created all of those stories or I adopted them. Yes. That's speaking of children. Like I think I up to I think it's up to 60% of the things that we believe weren't even our ideas. We adopted them. I believe that. I believe right? that idea. Yep. And we get to this point where we realize wow, like at the core, I'm a creator and I can create what I want. And I'm also a destroyer, right? Which that talks to the shadow self. And and in terms of knowing yourself, I think there's so much power in knowing the shadow side of yourself 
And, and for anybody who's not aware of that, an exercise you can do is list people who you really look up to yeah. and admire, and then list three people who you despise or you have very negative feelings towards. And the lesson in that is the three people you look up to all hold qualities that you have. And you're at a point where you just need the courage to step into that, right? And to embrace that. The three people that you despise all have characteristics that you have. That thing you despise mm. about them is within you. And we've very much like have, have lived in the society and the way we've created things to where we want to pretend that side of us doesn't exist. But that side of us very often can be very useful. Mm. For example, I have a very dark side. And I know that, and, I, and I've been doing a lot of work getting in touch with it. And the more I do that, not embracing it in the sense of acting it out, but just acknowledging it so, and finding where it's useful. So for example, I love, I love people. <laughs> like, and, and that's why my story about being shy was so, it protected me, but it was also destructive because I desperately wanted to connect with people. But I also have another side of me where if somebody does something intentionally harmful to someone I care about or someone I love, it's like a switch gets flipped. And I have this side that's just very dark and that can be dangerous, right? Yeah. So that can be very useful. For example, if I'm walking down the street with my two daughters in a city and we get jumped by somebody, right? And that person right. pulls out a knife. That's when it's useful for your dark side to come out, to save your own life, to defend you. Know, I think, uh, you know, some of the most powerful work I've done is really getting intimate with my shadow, right? Like the parts of myself that I'm not proud of, you know, really going into the parts, that, the parts of me that have hurt others, that have made mistakes, that are judge worthy in society's eyes. Like really sitting with the shadow and allowing yourself to get intimate with it loses the loses the charge or the story that you place around the shadow being a useful tool in your life. Right. Because like when you can embrace all of you, I think true freedom, true sovereignty, true confidence, true knowing is being able to experience all the different sides of you and just experience it and not fear the feelings that come from experiencing all those sides. It's being able to hold the space for your your light and your darkness to exist because you cannot you can't have a shadow without a light. That's like, the duality. You know, it's that's the duality. Like you, you can't. Like it's impossible. Like a shadow happens because there is an object that you're shining a light on that creates the shadow. Yeah. And so for us to live constantly seeking the light, to constantly optimizing our lives for the light, is to lose out on the beauty of the darkness. Right. Like if you think about even the summer, the summer is really warm and hot, but you go to the winter, the winter is dark and cold. Right. Right. Like, like nature has these elements and these aspects and they awaken different parts of our being that are necessary to be expressed in these times. But and I, and I think presence is one of those, you know, back to being and back to being slow and back to noticing where you're at and what, you know, chapter season of life you're in. Like presence is one of those things that can allow that that duality to truly be um, something that creates a lot of fulfillment in your life. And, you know, and if, if we even can even look at nature, I mean, one, like once again, it's earthquakes, terribly destructive, right? They, they tear things apart. They, they destroy things, but they also create mountains, mm. right? 
And I love the mountains. I love the ocean more, but I also love mountains. And Yeah, big ocean guy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think there's so much power in just embracing that. And it's, you know, you don't have to feed that dark side, but just just acknowledging it allows you to get out of this kind of low-grade background suffering that's running in the background because you're, when you're trying to deny that side of yourself or, or trying to distance yourself from that, you're also diminishing kind of the amplitude. We talked about roller coasters, right? And the sinusoidal wave. And if you're trying to squash the side of you that has this capacity for the dark side, the cruelty, whatever it is, you diminish the other side as well. And you don't live life with as much, I don't know, verve or like, you know, as much of an experience because you're, you're living a muted life in that case. Now, I think, and I just want to make this very clear, we're not condoning you know, doing things that are going to hurt people by any no, means. That's not no. necessarily what, and, and I think that's the really important distinction because most people think that by feeling into the shadow, and a great example, like I was having a conversation with a buddy about this around heartbreak, right? Just in general, like most men are afraid to feel the depths of heartbreak because they think that that's going to cause them to do something. Like feeling into the shadow, feeling into the darkness, feeling into all that pain is going to cause him to try and get back with with the girl or try and act in a certain way or do something when that's not necessarily like feeling the shadow and getting intimate with the shadow and being in that darkness has nothing to do with what you do. No. In fact, they're very mutually exclusive to be honest like like they're not they're not connected i would argue that that the more you can just i mean being introspective and acknowledging it actually gives you more power yes to to not do some of the things that 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 shadow side would do because if you don't recognize that it's there a trigger will happen in your life some event will happen 100 percent. yes you'll you'll feel this flash of emotion and you'll do something. And, and very often we can probably all identify with times when we've said something that we wish we could take back or we've done something that we wish we could take back. And sometimes we're very judgmental towards ourselves about those things. And the reality is we did the best we could in those situations, even if they turned out the way they did. And, and the way that we know that is, if you could have done something differently, given the resources, the perspectives, the information that you had, you would have. Yeah. If you, you would have done better, you would have done better. 100%. Right. We, we can probably not think of a time in our life where we say like, well, this is, you know, I think this is the best decision. I'm going to make this inferior decision. Well, I think that's why it's so important to, like, I've found seeking the shadow before it shows up in your life. Like mm-hmm. not necessarily waiting for a trigger to get curious about a shadow, right? Because the more you can excavate the shadow willingly, and the more you can excavate those parts of yourselves that you're not necessarily proud of, those parts of yourself that are creating anxiety, the parts of yourself that are necessary, like that aren't keeping you in a state of flow and ease and presence and power, the more you can actually get intimate with that stuff. When triggers do happen, it allows you the space, you know, mm-hmm. like back to the original point, like that space, like when the pandemic hits and all of a sudden that's the trigger, right? Co- like That's just the icing on the cake. Like COVID came screwed up our, our businesses, our jobs, uh, the economy, our fears around health, our relationships, our, our structure, our schedules, the things that we wanted. Like it created all these triggers, trigger points, right? It was just mm-hmm. one big trigger that brought out everybody's shadow. 
right? It brought mm-hmm. out your shadows were going to be different than mine. Like the way you were impacted by this pandemic going to be way different than the way that my neighbor or myself, like, and I think that's the beautiful reality that we're in right now. It just brings a saying to mind, which is we don't necessarily grow when we're succeeding. Mm-hmm. We grow through adversity. Sometimes I think back on my life and, and all of the, the really challenging stuff that I've been through and and I've had a roller coaster. I mean, I've, I've had incredible highs, incredible lows. And because I tend to try to, I tend to do things that I'm afraid of. And I wouldn't change anything because despite some of the lows being so low that I was, you know, um, I mean, there, there were a number of times where I was, you know, right on the edge. And that's where so much growth came from because it created, after the grief, after everything else, it created this space for introspection. and. And thinking about, you know, what do I really want instead of what I don't want? You know, when you ask people, what do you want? They'll usually tell you what they don't want. Yeah. Well, that's the program, man. That's the, you know, we're, we're taught to work from, because our subconscious at a young age was there to protect us. Like our minds were just there to protect us. Our prefrontal cortexes weren't developed enough to even know that we could want something else. So Mm -hmm. we're operating on just what we always had. It was, how do I survive? How do I live? How do I get accepted? How do I grow? Like, how do I just be, how do I be in this world that seems to be so cruel, right? It's like when we're operating from that, like fear becomes the default, the default operating broken tape recorder system. Desire though, that's choice, right? That's the delicious choice. And desire, desire is different from wanting even. Is it? Talk to me about that. I think wanting, wanting in a way is, is a lack, right? We want something because it's missing instead of desiring something simply because we desire it. Like, mm. And I, and I've struggled with this a bit too, because I, I was introduced to the distinction maybe, I don't know, maybe six months ago. That's really powerful. I really, really, really like that distinction. And it's so, and it, you're absolutely right. Desire has no story attached to it. Like wanting very often comes from some absence, some hole, right? Something where we feel like we're missing or where we're not good enough. Or if I just have this, then I will fill in the blank, right? Be happy, be accepted, be successful, look good in the eyes of my father, my mother, whatever it is. Desire, I think, is different. It's coming from this place of wholeness. And being whole, what would you like to introduce into your life? What would you like to create? What would you like to experience? Mm, It's almost like if you didn't need. Right. And you had all of your wants, what would you desire? Right. If all your wants were met, right? Yeah. If if all of your needs, if, if all of your needs were met and all of your wants are had, what would you desire? And right. it's this invitation to possibility. Oh, man, I really like that distinction a lot because possibility is like, because then you're not, then you're dreaming. You're dreaming and you're truly creating. You're truding from that place of abundance. Like, and, and it doesn't happen when you have all the money in the world. It doesn't happen because I know plenty of people with lots of money that are miserable. It doesn't happen when you have seemingly a perfect life on the outside with marriage and kids, it, it, because I know those types of people that are also trapped and not operating from that place of desire. I feel like getting to that place truly does come when you embrace the duality of your human experience, mm-hmm. right? When you meet the shadow and when you dance with the light and you integrate that into wholeness, 
And when you accept, embrace the entire spectrum of who you are, and you truly do lean into the belief that you are enough as you are. That's the trick. Right. Then it creates the opportunity to then dance with a delicious concept like desire without feeling like you're doing something wrong. Right. Because if you, if you believe that you're enough, you can be in this space where you know that no matter what happens, you're enough, which means you'll be able to deal with it, which means you can, you can acknowledge fear for the purpose it serves, which is to protect you and to Mm -hmm. prepare you and not live in it Mm -hmm. and not let it saturate your being. And instead just acknowledge that, okay, I'm enough. I'm going to be able to deal with whatever happens. The proof of that is that I've done it so far. Mm -hmm. I'm still here today, which proves that I have what it takes to survive because the decisions I've made have brought me to this point in time. Our minds delete, distort, and generalize information to fit our stories. And if your story is that you're not enough, it'll constantly find that. Or it will distort it and it will completely ignore or delete this whole history you have of you're here. Like you beat all the odds, like the, the, just the odds of you being born are astronomical and then surviving and the time in which you're born. And, you know, if if time is a man-made concept, then the time in which you're born might also be a, you know, a construct. And it's the fact that you've made it, the universe is trying to tell you, you have what it takes. Mm. And there's this temptation, I think, to slip into, well, what about this? What about that? What about this other experience? And just consider that the universe was presenting you with experiences that you needed to learn lessons around so that you could live into the fullness of who you are and into your vision for what you have for your life. And I think that vision is the desire. And I think sometimes that's, I don't know if that's already there when we arrive. Sometimes I I suspect some of the visions are, or some of the, the feelings that the feelings are present, right? Like behind every dream is a feeling. Every feeling births the possibility of, of deliciousness in life. Like even when we say, I want money or I want this much in the bank, I want that. We're not actually wanting the thing. We're wanting the feeling that the thing brings, right? We, if we say we want money in the bank, what we're really saying is we want freedom. What does freedom feel like? And when you truly sit into the feelings of freedom, that's when you get to paint with the brush of desire. What possibilities does a feeling like freedom invite into my life? And when you dare to lean into that, that's when actually you actually create the roadmap to getting and experiencing and creating all that stuff in your life because you're giving your mind a different focusing agent, right? You're giving it a different story. Instead of focusing on the, on the needs and the wants, you're now playing in the world of desire and it opens up a whole new possibility. It's, it's your, the reticular activating system, right? Like mm-hmm. when you see a red car, if you buy yourself a red car and then all of a sudden you go out there and you just see a lot of people with red cars, like your mind expands, expands in the direction of your focus. And when your focus becomes that, those feelings that are more desirable than the ones you don't want to have, you inadvertently begin planting the seeds to experiencing a better life. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't believe what we see. Mm-mm. We see what we believe. Boom, baby. And the, the irony is we tend to think it's fact, right? It's, that's just the way it is. And it's, I don't know, reality is, um, it's interesting because you, we, we tend to think, oh, that's just, that's just the way it is. That's just reality. That's, 
I would argue that it's um, very much created in the, uh, the eye of the beholder. And the beautiful thing about life is, is we get to shift that perspective. And you mentioned travel and how you, you're going and you're kind of having to find roots and, and put things down. And I went to military school and I had a roommate from Mexico, my first roommate. And I had, although I grew up without television, my mom cut the cable when I was a little kid. And I'm so thankful for that, um, just because I got to skip all of that programming. But I still had stereotypes from movies and from just, you know, popular culture and people around me. And we fought like crazy and became very good friends. And one day he said, you know, why don't you do what I'm doing? Why don't you go and live in my country and make an educated decision? And I said, okay, where should I go? So he tells me, go to this town, north of Mexico City. So I go down there and I'm sitting on a park bench and this woman sits down next to me. She had, I think, five kids, very poor, didn't know in terms of monetarily poor, didn't know where her next meal was coming from, how she's going to feed the kids or anything. And she was beaming. She was incredibly happy. And I had this schism because I was like, this is not, this is not possible. Like how you can't be happy. You're, you, you need the money. You need the, the security. You need the... And she trusted enough in the universe that her needs would be met. And she was joyful to have this family and these children. And that really started to shatter my stereotypes. So I think traveling can really shatter your stereotypes and really enrich your life because you get to see things as they are and not as they're portrayed, if you're willing to be in a space of openness and to let go of the stories and to just observe, which is so helpful even in our own lives. You know, as you're saying that, I'm really starting to lean into the truth that the beauty of being slow is you're giving yourself that chance to observe. That's actually what, that's why slow is smooth and smooth is fast because when you gift your chance to if you give yourself the gift of observing, you don't have to do anything. You can simply observe and allow those unconscious decisions that would keep you stuck in that pattern to simply go. Yeah, beautifully said. I, wow. I, you know, I said, I said earlier that failing strategies reveal faulty stories. When you slow down and you take the time to observe, even if that's just making time for gratitude and journaling and changing your environment is huge. You know, going for a walk, getting out, going and sitting on a park bench, uh, sitting by the ocean, staring out into the ocean and just seeing what it brings you, right? Being open to what it's the messages that, it, that the universe wants to deliver because the universe is trying to tell you the truth. It's trying to assert things. That's why the signs are there. That's why the lessons are there. And, and it's telling you you're enough. And it's telling you that you can create what you, these visions that you see or these things that you believe that are, that are purely from a place of desire and not from a place of lack. And I think it's so worthwhile to give yourself that gift. You talked about in a hurried world when everything's around you and it's, it's going crazy. You have to... You have to value yourself enough to make that space for yourself. Mm. And for a long time, I can tell you, I didn't. For me, it was, what's the next mountain? What's the next mountain? What's the next mountain? I would get to the top of a mountain and I wouldn't even celebrate because there's the next mountain. And my 
reward was in the journey, in the climbing. And so much has opened up for me over the past couple of years by surrounding myself with people who could see my intrinsic value and the bullshit stories I was telling myself that were diminishing that value because essentially they were taking a stand for me. And that then caused me to observe things from yet another level. Because one guy said, he says, how often do you look back at your accomplishments and just acknowledge them? And my response was, why would I do that? Hmm. And when I started doing that, I started journaling about that. I was like, oh my gosh, my accomplishments are revealing the faults in my stories and the lies that I've been telling myself that have been preventing me from, from taking things to the next level that I want to take them to. And the evidence has been all around me and I've been ignoring it. Mm. And that then caused me to go one step beyond and then to say, to, to like actually look at the journey and to, to say, well, is, it, is that even the mountain you want to climb? And if it is, is that the, is that the route you want to take? And if that's the route you want to take, do you really want to carry all that gear? by yourself. Oh man, as you're saying this, I'm just, and anybody listening, I just want to remind you the fact that you're even listening to this podcast is you making a choice to not do this journey alone. You have Jason, you have myself, we are in your ears right now. We are talking about this out loud and that's the beauty of the time we live in right now. Like the second you make a choice to not do this alone is the second you start inviting in the support from the universe. You start inviting in an opportunity to see those signs. You start inviting in a chance to simply breathe because you are not alone. You were never alone to begin with. You've always been supported by something you can't see or understand. And you have no idea why this voice is speaking into your ears right now. But the fact that it is, is a sign that you are not alone. And I just love that reminder, man. And it's something that I'm constantly leaning into more and more and more, even when I feel alone, just going back into that enoughness of my own heart and feeling into that universal truth, that uni universal truth, right? The universe itself that's breathing through us, that source of knowing that just there's more to life. There's more to love. There's more to this dance than we've been giving it credit. And Jason, brother, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but we <laughs> are getting to the uh, to the end of our time together. Um, Jason, just quickly, brother, uh, one, I just I love you so much. I I, I told you this earlier. Like, I had no idea where we were going to take this conversation, <laughs> and <laughs> like I'm just really glad that I didn't know because you know just the way that you carry yourself and the speed and the tempo with which you move and the patience with which you take before you speak and the way you articulate your ideas. I'm just so grateful to have had a chance to create some art with you today, man. Like I, it's just such a joy to, to be in your presence. And, um, I, I just love it. <laughs> Pick fan, Pick fan. Well, I've, I've loved being here and, um, I don't know. I love you as a human being, man. I mean, just mm. the, the beauty and the light and, Human beings are beautiful when we embrace our connectedness and what makes us these, these common shared experiences. And I was listening to some of your other podcasts before this episode, and there's just so much truth and, and gold in there. And um, mm. I'd encourage, you know, if this is your first episode that you're listening to, to, to explore the others because you can save yourself so much time and anguish and suffering by 
learning from what other people have been through and from, yeah. and from the lessons they've learned, you know, and, and I think that's true. I think one of the reasons I'm here and one of the reasons why I've gone through a lot of the things I've gone through is so that I can just share it with other people. And Jason, what are you, what are you working on, man? And if anybody listening wanted to get in touch and reach out to you for support or help, or even tell you that they loved you, like, can you talk hmm. a little bit about what's present for you in your life? Sure. Well, everything that's been going on has given me some time to, to take a step back and stop doing things that were several degrees kind of separated from, I think, what I was put here to do and what I was meant to do. And, and I believe what I'm here to do is to help people see a bigger vision for themselves and to turn that into reality. So if, mm. if you've read a book like Rocket Fuel that talks about integrators and visionaries, the visionaries have the ideas, they're in touch with the trends and what's happening and what, what's needed. I'm the integrator with a serious dose of, uh, I guess, mindset work. Mm. I think the difference between me and a lot of integrators is I don't just help visionaries turn their vision into reality. I help them expand that vision. And I help them realize they're playing in a game that's made up not just of automation or machines or tools or whatever, but of people. And by understanding people and how they work and helping them to achieve their dreams, you can achieve yours. And that's essentially what I do. So if, if you want to find out more, you can go to my personal website. It's Jason R. Ayers, A-Y-E-R-S.com. And uh, feel free to reach out. I, I love connecting. So uh, we'll make all of Jason's links available in the show notes and all the goodness. Jason, I got one last question for you, brother. In the midst of everything you're doing, how much you've grown and how much you continue to grow, how do you stay grounded? We touched on it. It's, I do essentially three things. One is making that space for myself. Something that I didn't used to do and has been so valuable to my growth is reflecting, analyzing the stories that I'm telling myself, looking for the evidence of the opposite of those stories. And being around a group of people that I meet with a, a group of guys on a regular basis that I curated and kind of put together that are amazing individuals that they call me out on what they see both in terms of my own capabilities and capacities and, and where I'm slowing myself down. And it's not always comfortable, but it's, it is very grounding and it's super beneficial. I also have this practice of adopted ignorance because the, the greatest enemy to learning is assuming we already know, because as soon as we think we know, we start to tune out. Yep. So I try to do things where there's no top end. You, you can never master it. So martial arts, photography, business, right? The art, the art of business. <laughs> There's always more that you can always improve. You can always get better. And those things make me realize that every day I wake up is day one. It's the yeah. first, it's the first day. And I can let go of the things from the past that haven't served me. And I can work on mastering this. And then, and then the last one, I think, which is huge for me is I focus on helping other people. Yeah. And that it takes my focus off of maybe some yourself. of the things I'm worrying about that day. Right. And, uh, and it makes yeah. me realize how lucky I am. A hundred percent. That's the easiest. I mean, if you ever want to get out of your dumb, stupid, loud, mean head, just go help someone else. Go help somebody. You. You'll, you'll, you'll get yourself out of a funk, but brilliant brother. I'm just, again, so grateful to have you in my life. And I'm just so grateful that, 
I got to selfishly learn from you in this medium. And uh, But everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Jason. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.